Blog Talk Radio. I am your host, Miss Mocha. And tonight we have, I'm so honored to have her as a guest, we have Selena Johnson. She is um, giving us a little uh, interview tonight, and I just really appreciate her even squeezing us into her busy, busy schedule. And we're going to bring her right on. My co-host tonight is uh, Mario Givens and uh, DeAndrea Bridges. Hi guys. Hey y'all, you ready? Yes, we ready. Yes. Okay, okay. Yes, we ready. Okay. Hello. Hello. Okay. Let me see. Hello. 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 Is this Selena? Yes, this is. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Black, well, I'm wonderful. This is Black Rider Space. We are honored to have you tonight. Yes. Awesome. Um, we're just going to jump right in. I have my co-hosts with me, Mario and DeAndrea. Mm-hmm. Hi. And we can, oh, go ahead. See? Hello? Yes. Yes. Oh, okay. We're gonna jump right in. I know you um you're a real busy woman and um we really just appreciate you even squeezing us in tonight. Um now you had two CDs released in two thousand eleven. No. I looked up um, some things. Okay. 'Cause I looked on yeah. Amazon. I had a kind of a problem trying to get all the current I wanna talk about your current projects or whatever you just released. Um, that was Chapter 5, Underrated. I just okay. released September 27th of 2011. Okay. So how is that going? How how are the, um, what are we looking like as far as the ratings and the sales? Um, it's doing well. It's doing very, very good. It's a slow build, but a steady one. Very good, very good. Okay, that's awesome. So just tell us, just give us a little synopsis of um, Selena Johnson and how you decided to even go into a, a singing career, if you would, to to make your love for singing and songwriting your career. Um, just, oh, man, you talk about stuff that's from 19... <laughs> Not um, everything, but just a brief. Um, well, just basically, my father was the one who kind of um, pushed me into not pushed me into the music industry, but kind of uh, <clears throat> let allowed me to 
be in the music. Not even, I can't even say it loudly, because, like, at first, when I was younger, he used to tell me to shut up all the time and that I shouldn't sing. So um, it wasn't until someone else discovered me in high school. I was auditioning for a play, and um, they called, they knew him. And so they called him, like, yeah, your daughter's here. You know your daughter can sing. You know, like, you're weird. Why don't you want to, you know? Do something with your daughter, and I guess that's when he he tried to act like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he tried to act like you know he was really into it, and then he started working with me. So okay. um, I think at that point, that's when I start really being professional and doing stuff. So okay, I do want to say I really um love your voice you have like such a strong soulfulness that comes from your voice and it's like and you're, it's awesome I just want to say that and I commend you for your accomplishments and to just keep pushing and believing in what you're doing and moving forward with it I, I really do I commend you on that thank you very much thank you not a problem Okay, so what can we expect for 2012? Lots of, lots and lots of great things. Um, a lot of them are just in the works, so I don't want to really, like, say really? what they are, you know, and let the cat out the bag, but a lot of really awesome things um, that I'm sure everyone will hear about. Um, I'm also getting ready to release my own perfume line. Oh, wow. Okay. So that's, one of, that's just one of the things I'm going to do. I just um, acquired a new management company with my um, my sister and I. She's been my manager for pretty much half my career. Um, and so she just signed a, a um, co-management deal with RKD Management, which is Keith, um, Keith Douglas Management. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so really excited about that union because um, they have uh, an amazing amount of connections and, and a great um, agency department. I'm going to try to start getting to, into more acting things. Um, acting has always been one of my first loves, actually, ever since high school. Um, when I was, like, really into speech in college, I was a theater minor and stuff like that. So kind of get back into that. Actually, in acting classes now, just kind of brush, brushing myself up. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's things coming with that acting so that I can't talk about. But um, <laughs> um, I'm about to release a an acoustic album of Chapter Five. It's an actually it's not an album; it's an EP, and it's a, an acoustic EP. It's about six songs uh, that are acoustic from Chapter Five, and then there's like an added bonus track um, of a song called Wild Horses that I did. Mm-hmm. So um, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna release that probably end of March. Um. I've got a couple of shows coming up. I'm going to London in March to do Jazz Cafe. I mean, the list goes oh, on. Wow. A whole bunch of stuff that's coming in all the time. But the big, cool stuff, I can't really touch on it or I get in trouble. <laughs> okay. Don't get in trouble. Okay. I'm a, yeah, I'm under confidentiality clause, so I can't uh, talk about that stuff. Well, tell us where we can, um, what's the best website where we can see all the current events as your projects come up? What's the most accurate website besides your Twitter? I know you, you're on Twitter a lot. But what's the, because the only thing I found was the MySpace. 
Is there another website that has all your updated information? Oh, my. MySpace is very old. Um, I'm actually in the process of, of reconstructing my my, um, my um, website. It was the new SJ.com, but um, I, I'm, I'm revamping that. I'm getting rid of that. And now it's called SelenaMusic.com. Okay. So um, mm-hmm. that is in construction right now. So um, I can't really say to go there, but probably in about two weeks you'll be able to go there and get everything. You know, it'll be linked um, to, you know, all my shows, all my dates. Um, Let me just see. Uh, I'm on the computer. I'm looking on the computer. Let me just see what's going on in my life. Okay. Okay. Trying to see if there, if maybe you guys can go to the management, management, late, you know, um, website and see. Probably they have, they may have some stuff on there. Okay, yeah, RKD Music. So mm-hmm. let's see. Let's see if I'm on there. Yes, it's very new. Oh, I am on there. So you could click on me and go to my Facebook page, and it'll take you to my Facebook page. And, like, you can see, like, little performances and pictures and all kind of stuff. But um, the Facebook page, I mean, the um, website is not yet up. Okay. We'll just look for the, we're, we'll look for that. We have the information. So um, in about two weeks, you said the other one will be up. So that's not a problem. Yeah. And it's it's called, it's a Selena Johnson official. Okay. Selena Johnson official for our listeners. You heard that. That's that's where you can go and um, find all her current information. Hi, you guys. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you, Dee. Okay, great. I've been chomping at the bits. Hi, Selena. Once, I just want to tell you I am a big, 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 big fan, and um, my daughters adore you. They adore you. And so I just want to say, um, we love your work. I can't wait to see what's coming up. The acoustic album, everything, I think is a great idea. But um, I have two questions for you. I know we have you for a short time. The first question is, how did you go about um, have, coming up with your own uh, production company, your own label, and um, and what and how is it like? Has it been easy for you, easier, or have you had any difficulties with that? Um. That was in 2008. I created a Needless Entertainment, which is my production, my my entertainment company. Um, mm-hmm. And in that time, I released pretty much my own records. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very difficult. It was not easy at all. Um, and it took it took a lot of work, and it took a lot of know how, and it took money. So that was hard. I don't know <laughs> if that answers your question, but it was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a lot of little red tapes you had to go through, you know, because I had all the all that I had was a distribution deal, so basically I had to act as a label, mm-hmm. and that was that was kind of hard. But um, what was your other question? The, Did you find that you had a lot of support uh, in the industry? Um, no. I did not, absolutely not. My sister and I did it pretty much by ourselves and my husband. Wow. Pretty much it. 
Yeah. And so was it that different it. being received as an as an art, you know, from going from an artist and then trying to pretty much now you are your and it was it, it was kind of difficult that they look at you a little bit differently. Um, did they look at me differently because I released it on my own? Yes, yes. Was it difficult to, to seeming like difficult trying to get you know knock the doors down again and you know doing it on your own? Did, did you feel like they received you differently, or it was just the aspect of trying to figure out what to do and how to do it and the financial aspect of it? You know, I don't think they received me differently. I just think that uh, I think that my fans always receive me the same. Mm-hmm. Um, they they get they because they get the classic Selena, and so I I'm not saying that I never disappoint them, but it's hard for me to disappoint them because um, I don't really veer too much away from what it is that they're looking for. So. It's, I'm not going to just. It's not going to be hard reconnecting with them. However, there is a different set of fans out here, and music's different. So reconnecting with the new fans is always a challenge. But um, you know, one city at a time, one fan at a time. That's that's pretty much how it is right now in the industry. So mm-hmm. um, that's just basically how how I'm doing it. Just going from city to city, having to reestablish myself over again. Mm-hmm. So it's tough, but that's you know that's the the industry that we're in right now. That's great. And then my last question: I know we have you for a short time, but I know that you have worked with such big names in the industry: Kanye West, R. Kelly. Uh, I mean, the the list goes on and on. But if you had to talk or say something about one person, the most person that you thought was the most down to earth, or someone who you met and you found to be um, someone that you will be a long life friend with, uh, who would that person be? Um, probably Toxic from Toxic Productions, the one, the producer that did Chapter Four and Chapter Five. Mm-hmm. Probably, you know, one of the most talented producers and one of the most honorable producers that I've ever worked with. Probably has the most dignity out of everyone that I've worked with, and he's a man of his word. So. Um, He's probably my most favorite producer. Plus, he's like my friend, him, KX, from uh, Complex 2010 Studios. Mm -hmm. Um, Those, you know, that whole group, Complex Mm -hmm. 2010 and um, um, Toxic Productions is just amazing. And probably will, you know, be friends and stay connected forever. Awesome, awesome. That's, That's great, that's great. Hey Selena, this is Mario. How you doing tonight? Hi, how are you? I'm fine. I'm okay. Um, I just want to know um, what inspired you to write songs. Like, what keeps you inspired to write these songs professionally? Um, hmm, my life. My life is is constant. It's a constant, you know. It's a constant story. And so I'm always able to pull information from my life and things that go on in my life. So it, it oh. always keeps my writing fresh and, um, you know, just pulling from life, real-life circumstances. Okay. Um, yeah. What advice would you give somebody up and coming who want to sing or, or just want to be a songwriter who want to get into the business? Like what advice would you give that person? Um, that they have to just, you know, 
they have to just stay um, in the industry. They have to stay in the industry. They have to stay relevant in the industry. They have to, um, you know, man, they have to get out in the world and they have to, to, to be at parties and they have to just stay in the industry. And that's that's the advice I would give, and to stay current, always making music, you know, always, you know, just always, always making music, always current in the industry, and to stay focused, and to understand that if, you know, you, you're gonna have to have thick skin to be able to last in this industry, and that you have to be in it for the long haul because, you know, you never know when your moment is. And you have to be able to endure, you know, all the way through. And a lot of artists don't really know that. They think that once they get in the industry, um, you know, it's, everything's going to, you're going to blow up in five seconds, and that's just not how it works. Okay. Now, have you produced wow. other um, artists that, uh, with your label, other um, artists that we may have heard of, or are you... Mm-hmm. Um, producing anyone. I, I was asking, have you produced other artists um, with your label? Are you working with other people to get them out there in the industry? Um, not right now. Right now my focus is Selena Johnson, Chapter 5. All right, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and once that's, you know, where I think it should be, then mm-hmm. I do have some tricks up my sleeve. But until then... It's all about me. All right. And being all about you, what is something that you would want your fans to know about you that they would never guess that I'm seeing you? You're beautiful. You're charismatic. You have a gorgeous voice. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, it can be very misleading. But what is the one thing or something, not one thing, but something that you would want your fans to know about Selena Johnson? Hmm. Man, I'm you know, I'm pretty much an open book, really. <laughs> um man, I, yeah, I'm not really a hidden type person. Um <laughs> what you see is what you get. You know, that basically like if 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 ever I had someone tell me one time, um, it was a makeup artist and actually we became really close after this, but she was like, you know, when I look at your album cover, I just see this glamorous person, and you know, I just see, oh, you know, it just seems like you're, you're like, um, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like unapproachable, you know, this glamorous, unapproachable person, and and she was just like, and it just seems like, you know, you wouldn't be as down to earth as you are, and so I guess that. You know, it would be cool for people to know that I'm very down to earth, like like unusually down to earth for being, for the industry that I'm in. Wow. Well, maybe that people just don't know about me. I just, you know, before anything, I'm a mom and I'm a wife and, you know, all that stuff comes first. I think that's awesome to be still be down to earth and be in the industry also. And I don't think that's something that we find. Uh, often, you know, because once you get in the limelight, and, and sometimes people change. So that's a good thing to know that you still have found, um, you've been able to still be you and just be yeah. who you are. 
and, it and enjoy doing it. It hasn't been always easy or the most favorable thing, but um, it's been the best thing at the end of the day, the best thing for me because I get to keep my sanity. Okay, and that's what's important. I, I completely agree with that. Well, we want to thank you for um, taking the time out to chat with us tonight, and uh, we will definitely be supporting the Chapter 5 and your up-and-coming projects for 2012 and going into 13, and you definitely have Black Writer Space as a supporter, and we look to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. Enjoy Thanks. your evening. You too. Bye. Good night. Okay. Well, that was We're awesome. going to go to... It was. It was. I'm I'm still like, wow, okay. Um, I'm going to go to break real quick, and we'll be right back. Do I, I want to let our listeners know, we only had Selena because I have two people who were, I think they wanted to come on and ask questions, or one person, but we only had her for 20 minutes, so we had to use the time that we had to get to know Selena. So um, sorry yeah. if you were waiting to ask a question, but maybe next time we'll be able to take callers because I'm sure she'll be back on the show. But um, we do want to thank you guys for listening, and, and don't go anywhere. We have another guest tonight, and I'm really excited about him as well. He's our first author from the U.K. So, yes, he's calling us from England. Um, he's an African American writer and author, and we're going to talk a little about uh, a little bit about his book. We're going to get to know him. His name is Colin Jordan, and he's already waiting to come online. So I'm just going to take a really quick break, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. You can listen to the rest of the show and um, enjoy. We'll be right back. If you just tuned in with us, this is Black Writer Space. I am your host, Ms. Mocha, and I have Mario and Dee with me tonight. Uh, we just finished a brief interview with um, Selena Johnson, and now we are bringing on Colin Jordan from the U.K. 
Hi there. Hello. Hi, it's uh, Colin here. Nice to speak Hi, to you. Hi, how are you? Very good, thanks. Nice to speak to you uh, in real time. <laughs> yes, for, uh, we are so excited to have you on. And let me just let the listeners know how he put us on his priority list. Anytime I emailed him or contacted him, instantly he would just call me or, what do you need, what do you need me to send? I mean, he was just so cooperative, and we really appreciate that. And just so you guys know how the time works, it's 1 a.m. over there, right? It's one thirty a.m. <laughs> one thirty a.m. Right. Mean, so yeah. we are. He he's woken up out of his sleep or, or stayed up and 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 he has to leave in the morning. So we That'd really want to know. We want to let you know we appreciate that. But we're going to dig right in tonight and uh, tell us who Colin Jordan is. Who is that? Yeah, I mean, I was born in the UK in St Albans, which is in an area of the UK called Hertfordshire which is uh, just north of London. It's about um, 20 miles north of, say, somewhere like Hackney or Peckham, which is more well-known outside of the UK. And um, interestingly, I mean, I'm in uh, St. Albans now, actually, because in a few hours I'm flying to St. Vincent, which is the uh, island in the Caribbean, very near to Barbados, where my parents come from. And um, so I'm a second-generation um, West Indian descent um british uh, in this country you know in america they say black uh, black american uh, here mm-hmm. or or, you know, or they um, what is it uh, i'm giving you the right term here to apologize it's um but here we tend to say black british although the term still is a bit um not accepted by everybody but um um Sorry, African American is what you normally say in the uk in the us sorry but uh, here hasn't really sort of caught on in the same way But um, interestingly, uh, the reason I wrote this book uh, was because I had been really thinking about my experience as a black British person who grew up in the 1970s, you know, was sort of left school at the end of the 70s and, you know, uh, growing as an early adult in the 1980s and uh, looking at the social landscape in the United Kingdom and the way in which uh, black British people have integrated. And also black um, in this country now, what's happening is uh, Asian people from, say, India, uh, Pakistan, and the uh, Asia continent are, are calling themselves black as well, in a way. And so that's including everybody in that sense. And uh, especially um, because our parents, the Indians and the West Indians, um, uh, were from the British colonies a lot now uh, of those areas being uh, independent. And so uh, growing up in the United Kingdom in the uh, 1970s was very interesting because uh, what I noticed was a real distinction within the black British culture between the urban, say, and I mentioned Hackney earlier, I'm just using Hackney as an example. There's a lot of places in the UK, in London in particular, where a lot of uh, immigrants uh, from my parents' generation are settled. And um, and in other large cities like Bristol, uh, Liverpool in particular, and um, also Manchester, for example, and Birmingham, of course. And um, But the there are some quite stark differences between the urban experiences within the large cities and also the uh, black people in the UK who grew up on the, in the suburbs, and even more so those who grew up in what we would call the countryside, uh, which is always not always a good experience here in the UK, mind you. 
And um, so uh, I thought about that for many years, really, and that was sort of the inspiration uh, for the book. And um, But the sort of main issues behind that were about the way in which uh, people, in my experience, growing up in the suburbs in the UK, uh, integrated very uh, easily, in many ways, into British society and uh, you know, had some very good, genuine friendships uh, amongst people from all nationalities and religions as well, to be honest, including the indigenous uh, white population. And um, so, so growing up with that from you know early primary school, secondary school, and into work, although in the area where I lived, I would have ex- I did experience a degree of racism and prejudice. Uh, it was on a small scale compared to had I lived just 15 miles south. And so the geography makes a huge difference in a tiny uh, island like the UK. Just 10, 15 miles difference can affect your entire life. And uh, that's quite underestimated, uh, the impact of that sort of demographic uh, factor. And so the area where I grew up became uh, very affluent, (coughs) affluent as the uh, London suburbs spread out and the commuters uh, into London, into the city, decided to live further out on the edge of London with better rail transport links into the city. So from where I live here, it's only 15 minutes into the centre of London in the US. People may be familiar with King's Cross uh, train station. And uh, so it's about 20 minutes from here to King's Cross, but I am very much outside of London. And um, But what I noticed as well was that um, the difference between the urban and the suburban uh, black British could be quite stark, where growing up, say in my late teens, early 20s, uh, a lot of the time I was more comfortable amongst the uh, suburban black and white than the urban um, black and white. And um, so the they would describe people like me as soft uh, back in the, say, 88, 89, that sort of time, where we, for example, my um, peers grew up listening to jazz predominantly, a lot of Latin influence as well, and um, whereas uh, the predominant sort of move in terms of music was uh, much more reggae-based, certainly in the late 70s, although I experienced some of that as well. And um, so, um, and so, even our accents would be different between so fifteen miles difference between in, in geography, whereas uh, and some of the sort of issues around um, institutional racism in the UK uh, would come out whereby um, living in the suburbs, a lot of uh, white British people, say in business for example, um, I would make a phone call to a business to say when I was in sales for example. And uh, I'd go and see the person I'd speaking to sometime later, and they'd look at me shocked and say, Do "You know, I thought you were going to be white. I'm really mm. surprised. And you sound just like us, and these kind of things. And some of that hasn't gone away. And uh, some people take this are very offended by these sort of subtle institutional things. And whereas others like myself, you know, are not offended at all, particularly. And so there's a lot of. Um, um, differences and sometimes it can erupt into anger. Earlier this year, we had rioting all over the UK in a lot of the wow. large cities, in London, uh, Manchester, Birmingham, and uh, it sort of sparked 
um, from an incident in London um, where the police shot a black guy in Tottenham and they reckon he had uh, reached for a weapon and um, there was you know, reasonable protest um, but that spread and a lot of people got on the bandwagon uh, all over the country, black and white you know, you had white young people running with black young people, Asian people and it became not just about race but also about um, the effects of sort of the capitalism and the need for uh, well, I tell you, the good way of summing it up was the, um, one of the stores, one of the shops that was most hit in the riots was um, a, sh a store that sells uh, well-known sports gear and trainers. And that place was wrecked um, in, in each of the cities where the riots occurred. And, I mean, for example, the riots were so out of order, the Metropolitan Police had to draft in 16,000 officers to try and get things under control over like a 48-hour period. People were stealing plasma TVs, walking off with them down the streets, um, not even stealing trainers, but trying them on first, this kind of thing. And um, so there's been a lot of debate as to, in a country where it seems as if on the surface we get on with each other, there was all this just very, very below the surface, a very shallow level but also mixed with the issues around um, consumerism and, um, you know, unfairness within the society. So it's wow. Interesting. Yeah, sure. So it's a bit yeah. of a long talk there. Well, but did, did anything come... I just, well, this is D. I'm sorry, I'm just jumping in. I oh, don't no, you go ahead. Up. By all means. Oh, no, I've said a lot. <laughs> did, did anything come out of that, like any open forums, any, um, you know, did that bring it you know, everyone closer together. I know at that moment everyone was kind of, you know, standing for a cause, but did it did it uh, bring about any type of change or any, you know, was anything noticed after that? No. Unfortunately, immediately after, the issues between the urban and the suburban and the rich and the poor, whether it's black or white, but particularly between the black and white in this country, uh, have been hardly ever hit the... Um, popular media or the news unless a black person has committed a crime and then this is what our popular media it nearly always sees black people in a negative light straight after the riots there were a lot of young black men in particular who were on programs where you never normally see black people some of the, or, or certainly not working class black people uh, namely there's a program uh, in the UK called Newsnight on BBC2 a very, very well-known presenter called Jeremy Paxman in the UK who uh, hosts that. And on his program, for example, um, he, some of the young guys I heard speak, they articulated the social and demographic dynamics fantastically in ways that even I had never really heard well articulated. Some of the mm -hmm. usual commentators from newspapers, etc., they had nothing to say. They had no understanding, really, of what wow. would have caused, you know what I mean? But, so I was hoping we would hear more of those voices over time, but within a month or two it diminished and the government took a sort of very paternalistic um, line with us. And again, there's a lot of thing about um, black men and being poor role models and lack of black fathers. This is what it all came wow. out in the end, you know, which is, which is a shame because it's an opportunity lost there. I think, Absolutely, and uh, it just went back to the stereotypes quite quickly. It was only August 2011, oh. so. Uh, <laughs>
that's amazing. Oceans away, and yet we are uh, still facing the exact same thing. Sure, absolutely. Shows or speaks mountains, and just um, we sound loudly with our culture and our uh, just our demographic. You might as well say, you know, it, yeah, it says no matter yeah, where we are, we are still we still haven't made the progress, even in within ourselves and our communities and our cultures and in the media. And that's sad. That's sad. It certainly is. It certainly. I mean, I work in the National Health Service, which is the third or possibly fourth largest employer literally on the face of the earth, and they employ over a million people. And um, the health service in the UK has about 30% black at the lower levels in terms of pay, so in terms of domestic services and care assistance. The higher up the grade you go, we begin to disappear dramatically. And uh, there's a very good friend of mine called Yvonne Coghill. Now, she's worth Googling, if it's worth it. And Yvonne is a champion for uh, black um, advancement in the UK. Uh, Amongst a lot of the black population, she's hardly known, but she's possibly one of the biggest voices for championing um, black people, but not in a kind of way where, you know, let's moan, but about um, facilitating um, black people to uh, progress and navigate the sort of um, work culture in particular. And she has worked at a very high level amongst, including government in the UK, to try and, um, you know, raise the issue. So, for example, in the largest, third largest, fourth largest employer in in the world, which is in the UK, in such a small country, amongst um, chief executives, of which there are many, in the National Health Service Trust, uh, I think there's something, I could be wrong, but it's less than five are black. And, wow. Uh, and I think there was one black African or Caribbean for a while. Uh, even um, There's many, many hundreds of um, medical directors, but again, compared to the population, very few are black. Um, there's been a case recently where a black uh, director, of which there are a few, has just been paid a million pounds compensation for being pushed out of his job uh, through racist behaviour of a junior colleague, would you believe? So it still goes on in the UK, despite the UK... Uh, it, it goes on in the US. <laughs> sure, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> of course. But, but let me yeah. ask you now, not being very familiar with um, the the history um, and then I'm not sure about how familiar you are with our history, but, yeah. you know, there was, I can say, a time in the United States where African-American pride or black American pride was, um, you know, something that we held dear to ourselves. You know, we had political figures. We had leaders, Martin Luther King, Megger Evers, um, uh, um, uh, <clears throat> I can't think of the names, but, and and we had a sort of unity where we stood for ourselves, where we marched, where we rallied, where we stood fast and stood in the gap. And so my question to you is, was there or has there ever been or is there now um, something of that fashion in the U.K. or or um, even in, in London at all, or in England at all that you know of the, or that is historically well-known? Yeah, it's a really good question. And in the UK now, what I think we're finding are that these people 
tend to be unsung heroes working in communities and working very hard as well. So some of the people who are really doing it are barely in the media at all. There was a young guy who, unfortunately, I've forgotten his name, but he was nominated for, I think it was an MBE, member of the British Empire, which again is a controversial issue, but it's an award for services to the community. And uh, the reason I've forgotten his name is because no one would know his name outside of his community. But he was nominated because of the hard work he's doing uh, to help young black men in particular, and young black people, uh, youth in many ways, to um, aspire to uh, greater things. I mean, I mentioned Yvonne Coghill, who maybe is more of a well-known name across, you know, um, the National Health Service, uh, who is doing that. But there is, um, there are some. Uh, there's one MP in particular called David Lammy, and he's a member of the um, Labour Party, who are the, in opposition at the moment. Uh, David Lammy, he's a black guy, um, and one of his colleagues, um, um, uh, I'll tell you his name in a minute, it's just dropped out of my head, but these guys are maybe politically um, good, ex- ex- excellent role models, but politically I think they find it difficult to um, raise the issues publicly regularly only when there's something uh, in the um, media, which is like the riots, for example, which has brought us back into the fore. I mean, David Lammy has written on uh, these issues. But again, the um, popular culture, including the black culture, wouldn't really know um, much about that. But the, the big name in the UK is a lady uh, called Diane Abbott, and she is a Labour MP um, member of Parliament as well. So most people across the UK would know Diane Abbott as standing up for black people's rights and uh, being a very, very prominent uh, member of government uh, doing that. And there's many others as well, I mean, um, you know, across uh, music and, um, uh, for example, a, a very good example in the arts is uh, Kwame Kwe Amar. Uh, he changed his name when he was about 19 years old, reflecting, um, the, although he's British-born, he's reflecting the um, colonialism, which, you know, came from slavery, including my relatives, um, and that shared history we have with yourselves. And, so, uh, and um, you know, telling, even until this very day, and I apologize for, for digressing, because I do talk a lot, <laughs> but I apologize for digressing, but um, even just recently I was talking to some of my, my white British friends about why my surname is Jordan, you know, and I know a family called McLaughlin, a black West Indian family, you know, McLaughlin is a very Scottish-Irish name, you know, and um, till this day, a lot of um, British uh, people have no idea that their surnames, uh, many of them derive from um, the period of slavery where our names were changed. So Kwame Kwayama, interestingly, Kwame is now working in Baltimore. He runs a um, theatre uh, company called Centre Stage, in Baltimore, and that's quite recent. And um, although he was from London originally, this is one of the things we're finding as well. Idris Alba, again, he's an actor. He was in The Wire, and a lot of people thought he was American because he does such a good American accent. And, um, but he's a British London-born actor, and a lot of our talent are having to go to America to really become prominent because things are much uh, tougher in the UK. Interestingly. Hey, Carla. Hey, Carla. This is Mario. I have a question for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the book um, Soft Knock, the, the book Soft Knock Light is 
is your inspiration of going through the things that you went through, is that part of the book itself, or was this book just something that you just started to write? Yeah, a mixture, because um, the idea of soft knock as opposed to hard knock is because in reality my upbringing was soft. It was being a very easy, very gentle, and very much the the book the background to the book is my background. It's set in the same area. The attitudes are the same. Um, I've caricatured some of the people I grew up with as well. And um, that it was, now you would call it middle class and, you know, very easy. But the, one of the problems I found growing up in that, this sort of environment was that it was a, 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 as though we didn't have a voice particularly in the white British society, but neither did we have one in the black uh, society because it almost looked as if we had it too easy. So um, unless you're struggling uh, or in poverty or you know you've been wrongly accused of something, it's very difficult to get up and have a voice. But now things have changed a lot, where there is a story still to be told of black people who had a very good experience, even as that far back as that. And a lot of those people, which is in the book, is the a big part of the influence was the Christian upbringing, especially around the Pentecostal church in the UK, which is a prominent um, part of the story there. Sure, so it's, it's certainly a mixture. Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, I'm wondering, we, I just have one quick question. I know you have to break, but I just have one last question before we go. And that was, how has it been received in the UK you know, we, um, the United States of America, just, you know, elected our first, not just, but we have our first African-American president, and, you know, we are proud of it. He received, you know, a mess that he had to clean up, but just wondering, has that had any effect or have, you know, how has that been received in the UK yeah. overseas? Yeah, I was quite, it's been very interesting seeing the response and I've kept my eye on it deliberately, especially around the time of the election when Obama got in, because um, in this country, a lot of people are very um, passive about politics. And so, um, and also things in the UK, typically, we long for things to happen. When they happen, we act like nothing happened, as it were. So um, some people, Christians, had this thing going on where, oh, is, you know, literally people talking, is Obama the Antichrist, stuff like this, uh, madly enough, uh, right through to, you know, major celebration. And so every response you can imagine, including some slightly unusual, a lack of excitement, I, I felt generally across the board. And there was equal, I would say, excitement amongst the uh, white population, especially the sort of... The, middle-class, white and black, intelligentsia, if you want to use that word, who, you know, knew this was something more than significant and also as well could appreciate the man himself and, you know, his talent, really. And um, so, in a way, the impact of it, I think, sadly, isn't what maybe I would have hoped for, certainly. And, uh, and again, I think, I'm not sure whether this has been the case in America, but here as well, I think that um, people were glad to see um, um, Mr. President Bush go. And it was very refreshing for a lot of black and white people to see um, Obama uh, come in. Um, I mean, I spoke to some people who were indifferent about it. He just didn't care in the slightest, um, have no idea what goes on in America. 
Um, it's a little bit lacklustre, quite frankly. I'm, I'm sad to say. That's my personal opinion. But uh, certainly my family celebrated. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. That's amazing. I always wonder about that. Yeah. Other people see him because, you know, we, all we can do is do what we do. He, You know, he received it like he did, and I hope, I believe and I, I pray, and I'm putting it out there, that he will have the opportunity to have his next time. But I myself want to say thank you for answering all my questions. I personally have to go, but um, Tiffany and Mario will still be there. So good night, guys. I'll talk to you guys. Well, that's very kind of you to have me on. Thanks very much indeed. I'd like oh, no, 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 no. No, you don't go anywhere. I'm oh. going. <laughs> You're going. Great. You stay. You stay. No, you stay. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye. Good night. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Good evening, and we are back. For those of you who just tuned in, tonight our guest is Colin Jordan. He is from the U.K., and he's an author, and we are discussing uh, the man, Colin Jordan. We're discussing his book, Self, Self Not Life. That's right. Yes, Self Knock Life. I'm sorry. Absolutely. Um. Now, we just want to jump right back in. We are kind of pressed for time. But um, about the book, what would be your favorite chapter in the book? What would be the wow factor of the book? Why why would our listeners want to purchase this book? That's a really good question. <laughs> yeah, thanks for asking. Um, I think what it does, it subtly um, describes 
um, UK life from a perspective that isn't always uh, shown. But you've got to read between the lines, I think, with the book. I could have written a book which was much more graphic and you know, dealt with the uh, you know, political and urban issues in a much more um, dramatic kind of way. Uh, but what I wanted to do was to depict elements of the more subtle factors of black British culture, but also the West Indian background as well, but more the West Indian I know my parents have, because um, the West Indian culture in this country, uh, a lot of British people think it's the urban culture, which is a mixture of British and American urban culture, to be honest. And whereas, even in the way we speak, um, the it's not the a lot of people think a black West Indian accent is how the um, young black men used to speak. Uh, it's certainly in my time, but. My, even my mother doesn't know what they're saying half the time. She would say that. She would say, oh, what, what, what they say? this isn't West Indian, I'm West Indian. So she knows what a West Indian accent sounds like. And um, so the book itself has a much more subtle look at integration. And what it does, it tie, although it's set in 1977, it really, between the lines, is showing that a lot of people did negotiate the difficulties within the society very well, uh, including the parents of a lot of people you know, of my age. And um, they provided really well for us. They were excellent role models. They managed difficulties very well. And um, they were you know, exactly the opposite of what the prejudiced popular uh, media sometimes depicts. And the older uh, generation, my parents' generation, are barely ever mentioned. They're very, very heavily stereotyped uh, as just sort of um, domestic workers, this kind of thing. Uh, you know, we used to have the stereotype of the, the big black woman with the head tie uh, up and um, in the UK, whereas uh, that generation really didn't really uh, rep be represented very um, favourably in many ways, although there are some sort of great voices there. Uh, so the book certainly does that. The other thing it does very specifically is to subtly again uh, deal with the black and white mixed uh, race issue, boyfriend girlfriends, but not in a way where there's any trouble, because in the UK we're sort of notorious for having a very peaceful and um, black-white mixed relationship growth within the country. The mixed race um, group in, this, in the UK are the fastest growing uh, uh, ethnic um, group between especially black West Indian descent and white, but also now um, black Asian and white as well. Very, very fast-growing area group. And um, although there was a lot of Difficulty going back now. People you don't even bat an eyelid at um, mixed race relationships in most parts of the country. There's a few sort of outposts where people might look at uh, people like that funny, and um, so it does deal with that. But showing how easy and peaceful that can be for some people, and within the context there as well, the three main things going on there is that there's also the influence of Christianity and the Black Pentecostal Church on the family as well. But again, much more subtly, a lot of the issues that are going on and some of the reasons for the peace the children in the story experience and the advantages they have as well is because of the parents' faith. And uh, although in reality the parents wouldn't necessarily say that because they're very modest about it, and in the story you wouldn't know it unless you noticed it, um, you know, it's not screamed at anybody. But what I deliberately did, without giving the story away too much, I did throw uh, a spanner in the works, as it were, whereby the main character 
um, there's issues with his sexuality that don't necessarily fit very well with the black Pentecostal church model, certainly not in 1977, and you might be able to guess what that might be, but uh, around homosexuality. And so the main character um, struggles with this issue. Reading the book, you wouldn't necessarily know it at the beginning, although the clues start in chapter one. Uh, what I've deliberately done is to depict to this man, he's 21 years old, Black Britain, 1977, as almost the ideal son, you know, and the ideal boyfriend, the ideal brother. He's an entrepreneur. He's, um, you know, the sort of person. He's, there's elements of my older brother in him, it's got to be said, and somebody anybody would look up to. But at the same time, within that society where everybody does get on very well with each other, where the church is predominant as well, there is this festering thing under the surface which even that culture, even those who are so um, liberal in many ways and fair, uh, potentially couldn't cope with the idea of a gay black man. And um, that was true then, it's certainly true now, in the same way that the way in which in the suburbs we were very well integrated and very happy amongst the you know, white population. And on, on the whole, um, although that was a minority of black people, I would say, um, in the same way that still exists now. So these two things are always going on at the same time. The, um, within our own society, our own prejudices, especially around the issue of uh, homosexuals, and uh, whereas the rest of the country has kind of changed their view politically, it's almost um, anathema now to insult a gay person. You know, they have a very, very strong voice. People like Peter Tatchell in the UK uh, have a very strong voice. That's changed dramatically since he started campaigning. And uh, he may be known in the US as well. But um, amongst the black African and West Indian church, uh, still it's a major, 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 major taboo um, we haven't even began to talk about that in reality. And so they're the main sort of issues that are in the book. I think in terms of the chapters, my, I think my favorite chapter is maybe the last chapter because the book is very fast-paced, I think. It's very light. There's a lot of humor. But the issues for the main character become much more serious nearer the end where he really has to think about his future and... Um, you know about the comfort he's lived in you know is this issue going to what what issue what problems is this issue going to cause him and, you know can he not stay within that uh, pleasant society he's grown up within you know is he going to have to move because even even they will reject him uh, for this thing despite everything else about him being everything they would want in a son uh, or and in a brother for example and so that they're the sort of subtleties i think within within the story uh, and the other thing as well, there is a soundtrack. Every chapter has got uh, music in it, which um, it, all of it's searchable. On my website, you can sort of uh, listen to the music, uh, which sort of depicts a, a cross-section of some of the music I sort of grew up with um, at the time. Again, a fair bit of jazz. Uh, Gil Scott Heron, funnily enough, and he's an American, who um, you know we uh, certainly took to heart. You mentioned black role models. Uh, Gil Scott Heron was certainly somebody we grew up with in the UK even. Yeah, thanks. Okay. Awesome. Um, we have a caller that wants to come on and ask a question. Fantastic. That's great. I'm going to bring her on. Yeah, thanks. Hello. Hi there. Hi. Hi. Again, nice to speak Hi. to you. Hi, Colin. How are you? Very good, thanks. Yourself? Oh, I'm great. Uh, yeah. First of all, I just want to start by saying I love your accent. <laughs> it's <Okay>. an accent <laughs> to us. 
um, but I, I'm sure that it's uh, very common in, in your country. Um, my question has to do with uh, some issues that we, we deal with here in the U.S., and that is calling each other the N-word. Do you also have issues with that, and what is your take on it? I mean, for instance, you have uh, our group of people that, you know, call each other the N-word just because they're they're friends, uh, you know, but of, of course when someone from a different race calls us the N-word, if you will, then it's offensive. How do you feel about that? And, you know, we have exactly the same issue I understand you're having in America as well, but on a much smaller scale in much tighter pockets of the community. Really, in the hip-hop sort of setting community in the UK, it's common um, to for each other to call themselves that. And uh, even there's a radio um, DJ who will, a lot of his callers would use the word, uh, you know, as a, um, inde- a term of endearment almost, <laughs> as it were, strangely enough. But as it happens, I remember that the city I live in, Lincoln in the UK, has only recently had immigrants go into it in the last 25 years, predominantly. A black or you know immigrants, you can easily see. There's a lot of Eastern Europeans there, mind you. But um, in Lincoln, they recently have a university that's been opened, and so the population has grown, uh, including other white people from other parts of the UK. And I remember I was standing at a what we call cash point, which is uh, where you get money out of the wall. And um, there were some young people in front of me who I assume were students. They couldn't see me because they we stood in a queue. We like to queue in the UK, as it happens. And um, the two white guys, they looked about 20 years old. They were calling each other the N-word. And so the girl who was with them looked around and saw me and started doing that thing where you're putting your fingers across your throat to say, cut it off, cut it off. Right. And uh, to stop stop saying it, and they look round and they look really embarrassed. But that's what they were calling each other. So in a way, it's become a sort of um, you know youth, young people language almost. Although still, uh, for the most part, it's still an offensive term for most people. Exactly. Um, I, I just uh, had one more concern, and that's when you had mentioned earlier about politics, how how you are pretty passive uh, in as a country about politics. I just wanted to know if there was a chance that when Obama took office and he he made a succession, was there a chance of, of possible uh, um, envy, if you will, that we had gotten the first black president and the UK hadn't? I'm just curious. You know, I must admit, I didn't I didn't notice that because we are so in a way close to the US. It was as though we had for some people. Um, and people who were not that interested in politics, I think a number of them, I can think of some, who took more of an interest because of that. And also in the UK, there are some, let's face it, some very reasonable and brilliant white people who I would struggle to find any sense of prejudice in, quite frankly, and uh, sometimes champion the cause for black people. And um, there was as much celebration amongst them as amongst the black population, quite honestly. But because um, we're not, you know, politically, uh, we're not sure what the word is really, but, you know, that sort of apathy, uh, it died off pretty quick. And I suppose when Obama got, had to get stuck into the realities of the, the job, um, then, you know, um, you know, that little bit more criticism. But it's got to be said, the respect for Obama is phenomenal. I've, I've not known the respect for a president in the UK as much as Obama. People would not dare 
to insult him. Uh, somebody did a cartoon caricature of him in the UK, and a lot of people, you know, did, we did, people didn't laugh. It was like, don't caricature him. You know, they've got a lot, a lot of respect for him. And I think well, we good generally... Yeah, good for them. That yeah, for Obama. Yeah, sure. And I think as well, when he first came in, we, we had Gordon Brown, uh, who was a socially awkward um, um, uh, prime minister. And there was so much um, stardust around Obama. I think people, including people at a senior level of politics, uh, barely knew how to behave and sort of made fools of themselves when they were in his presence. So I think, yeah, he's had a phenomenally positive uh, input uh, impact, generally speaking, I'd say, in the UK. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, fantastic. Thanks for coming on, asking. Thank you so much for calling in. Sure. No problem, thanks. Wow. We have really, really, really enjoyed having you. Um, Mario, did you have anything else? Yeah, I just, uh, hey, Colin, it's Mario again. Thanks uh, I just Mario. wanted you to, I'm okay. I, I just pretty much wanted you, before we wrap it up, uh, just let the listeners and Black Writers Space uh, let us all know how to keep in contact with you and what and where to buy the book and, you know, just to, just to keep a tab on you. Where will we go to find those yeah. things? Yeah, thanks for asking. Yeah, I've got a website which is um, net. Actually, just my name and uh, .net on the end. And um, certainly there, and on Facebook as well, um, I, I am there. So uh, obviously it's in the UK and I'm based in Lincoln in the UK. And obviously on Twitter as well, you'll find me. Uh, it's Colin Jordan at new, NU Writers. UK uh, on Twitter. All right. Thank you for that. Great. Thanks very much, uh, Mario. Thanks uh, for having me on the uh, show as well. It's really kind of you, uh, Tiffany, about me smoker. Not a problem. Not yeah, a problem. And we look forward to having you back because I'm sure that's not going to be your, your last book. Do you have yeah. any? No, I'm really working on the next one. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah, great. Thanks. Thanks very much indeed. Wow. Really kind of you to let me have this opportunity, to say the least. Yeah, Not a problem. Like I said, thank you for um, getting up or or staying up till one thirty in the morning to even um, do the show. Sure. Yeah, but um, yes, we look forward to having you back. We'll definitely be supporting you. And uh, for our listeners, it's, it's Colin Jordan with one L. Uh, dot That's net. Right, absolutely, yeah. And, now, can you repeat your Twitter? Because I'm on Twitter now, and I don't think I'm connected with you on here. Right. We will, I will rectify that ASAP. As we say. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so you enjoy the rest of your um, morning and enjoy <laughs> your trip and be safe. Thanks very much indeed. And uh, okay. look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks very much. Absolutely. I definitely will be in contact with you. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Speak to you soon. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. Wow. You there? Yeah, I'm there. I'm I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. Um to have Selena yeah, yeah. and and have the, the UK author right after I think that was awesome. Um I'm excited this week. Um it's kinda heavy toward the end. Tomorrow I have Angel Richards. She's a coach, uh, a life coach. And she's doing it and she's doing it very well. And then Friday we have Zane. 
So there's still more to come for the remainder of the week. Um, I'll continue to post on Facebook and Twitter and the blog. And I've started a new, for our listeners that don't know, I've just started a new page on Facebook tonight. It's called I Love Urban Lit. So if you are a lover or a fan of Urban Lit, be sure to go on and search I Love Urban Lit, love spelled L-U-V. And um, like our fan page, I will be doing a personal page as well and a regular website. So um, just just kind of jumping out, diving out into some new things, some new ventures, 2012. I can already see 2013 coming, and I do not want to get to December 31st and say, well, I didn't do this, I didn't do that. So um, I have a, um, our one of our previous guests, Danielle Winningham, she's a um, life coach and a very good one. I had my first, she gave me two hours complimentary coaching, and I had my first hour this morning, and it was awesome. So uh, she is definitely on her job and um, very, very effective and very focused on the dollar and doing what you love to do and getting paid for it. So um, I really I really thank God for sending her my way because I really need that. Um, my business partner, LaDonna, I uh, really thank God for her. She's been just really awesome and jumping in at the studio and just bringing um, order and, and, and business um, etiquette and just all her marketing skills and everything. And, and Mario for jumping in at Black Rider Space when I didn't have anybody to kind of be my right hand, and he just jumped in. So, I really just thank God for all each and every one of you guys, and um, let's do it. Um, the same, the same I'm going like, to, huh? No, I'm just saying it just seems like that, Mar- that Mario guy is a very awesome guy. Like, wow, I can't wait to meet him. <laughs> but go ahead. I said that. <laughs> I said that. I, yes, he is. He's very awesome, very talented. Um, we got to get him uh up off of them books he's sitting on and get his stuff published so he can be out here and uh, marketing his book and selling his book and we can have him on as a guest. How about that? Yeah, I'm going to give him a call later. I, I got yeah. his number in my, in my phone, so I'm going to give him a call later and say, look here, man, you got to get, get up off them books. Right. So, um, as, as usual, you know, I'm hungry. I need to, I really don't need to go. eat. Like, I ate earlier, but it's you know what doing the show it it takes it really takes a lot of energy out of you. This is like not like um, stacking blocks. This is energy, and but I love it though. I love it. I look forward to it. I know it's a bit much for you to fit into you guys' schedules doing Monday through Friday, but I'm glad I did it because I look back at the list and I'm like, oh, we did all of that in January. So and then to have um, our first UK author, African American, on February first, start starting Black History Month, and to have Selena Johnson, I think that was really hot. So, um, like I said, this week is awesome. Next week is going to be uh, even better. I have a guy that that um, does short films. Uh, I can't wait to have him on. So we have a lot coming up. Um, so stay tuned. Feel free to email us at blackwriterspace with two S's at gmail.com. Um, feel free to go to our blog site 
um, blogtalkradio.com forward slash Black Writers Space with two S's, and you can listen to any show that we've had in the past. We had a couple of, um, on Mondays we do our relationship shows, so we got some drama stuff in there for you if you enjoy that. Uh, it's real life, but, you know, hey, I made it part of the show. So um, we are going to wrap it up, and we will see you guys tomorrow at 7. Good night, Mario. Good night. Good night, Tiffany. <laughs> Good night, listeners. Good night, Black White Space. Good yes. night, you all. Peace and love. Bye. And then again, and then again with the more.